Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and today we continue our Fantasy Files series with a look at the Los Angeles Chargers passing game. I want to focus on the receivers here in this episode. We'll get to that guy, Justin Herbert, plenty of his own pod at a later date. So I want to just start off by saying, like, my goodness, this wide receiver room is legit. Honestly, the whole Chargers roster in recent years is almost always all around legit, popular, you know, preseason. I don't even want to say Super Bowl pick, but people can at least wrap their minds around them being a contender each and every year. Bad in-game, in-game, late game management, injury luck, whatever it is, they just never seem to really fulfill expectations. So fingers crossed, you know, the defense, we get a healthy Derwin James, uh, Joey Bosa, all those guys doing their thing. Because on offense, man, they look as good as ever. And that's no disrespect to Phillip Rivers or anything. I just mean from a per- pure personnel standpoint, I mean, this wide receiver room is loaded. Obviously, the headliner, Keenan Allen. I mean, the production he's put up since being dubbed injury prone, which is another reason why, if you listen to this podcast, I harp plenty on why our injury analysis is just so misguided during the offseason. You know, usually it's just kind of trolls throwing out arbitrary thresholds. This guy was hurt last year. He's going to be hurt again. We use that for Joe Mixon and Chris Carson, not for, you know, Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley. You know, people just say it's different, this and that, whatever. Anyway, this was a reality for Keenan Allen. For all you Gen Z listeners out there that maybe don't remember the early career of Keenan Allen, he comes out on a tear as a rookie, has another good follow-up year. But after that, he only played nine games in 2015 and 2016 combined. 2016 was particularly sad when I believe he suffered a torn ACL after having like six catches for 63 yards. That was a season long line. Pretty sure all of it came in the first half. So unfortunately, you know, Keenan was looking at, I wouldn't say being out of the NFL by any stretch of the imagination. It was just a rough, two-year stretch from him in 2015, 2016. All he's done since is ball the hell out. He has played in all but two games since 2017 has scored six, 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 and eight touchdowns, gone for 1,393 yards, 1,196 yards, 1,199 yards, most recently racked up a Devontae, uh, 992 yards. For those that don't know, when a wide receiver finishes with between 990 and 999 yards, we call that a Devontae because Devontae Adams is the only player in NFL history with at least two of those seasons. So Keenan's coming for him. Either way, that reception total in particular has just been incredibly gaudy. Keenan joins DeAndre Hopkins and Michael Thomas as the only three wide receivers with at least 100 catches in three seasons since 2017. And a lot of this last year was coming just straight up man-on-man coverage. I mean, just trying to get this dude, I mean, I should say, not doubling Keenan Allen was a death sentence. Only Stefan Diggs with 90 had more catches against single covers than Keenan Allen with 87. So Keenan is someone that whenever he has been healthy, we have seen him really just dominate. I mean, the routes this guy can run, I think he certainly deserves to be on a top five route running list. I have that crown on Devontae Adams' head right now, but I do think you'd be hard-pressed to name uh, or to at least need your second hand to kind of list the number of receivers that are better at route running than Keenan Allen. I see a lot of Stevie Johnson to his game, and I believe they actually kind of played a one year together. For those that don't remember, Stevie Johnson had the best years of his career with the Bills, the, you know, kind of OG Darrell Rivas Slayer. And yeah, okay, he made it over to San Diego for his last year in 2015. 
actually did pretty good in the first half of the season until some injuries got him. But you can kind of see, I guess, just parts of Stevie's, you know, herky jerky releases and stuff in Keenan's game. So, you know, can't go more than 60 minutes usually without seeing one, at least one wide receiver cornerback ISO cam where you see Keenan just send uh, one poor cornerback or another to the shadow realm. But after him, we got Mike Williams. In my opinion, one of the most Un, or I should say Mike Williams is one of the most overqualified number two wide receivers in the league. He is not the Chargers number one. That is Keenan Allen. I'm not trying to say that, but people in the year 2021, it's legal to have two number one receivers. And I do think Mike Williams would fit that bill. If he could ever get the amount of targets that his talents deserve. This guy has never had more than 90 targets in a season. Despite that he had 10 touchdowns in 2018. He had over a thousand yards in 2019, even last year. I mean, 756 yards, five scores, and 15 injury riddle games. I mean, that 15 uh, game mark is generous. Credit to Mike Williams for playing through the pain really ever since his rookie year. He only played 10 games that year. I just wish this dude would take care of himself a little bit more. I have never seen a wide receiver give a single fook less than Mike Williams does when he's crashing to the ground after coming down with some ridiculous, like contested catch and double coverage. The guy falls like a freaking, you know, sack of soap every single time. And it's like, dude, just, I don't know, put an arm out, try to protect yourself. I just want him to stay healthy. And again, he has played, you know, all but two games over the past three years. So he's not missing large chunks of the season or anything. It's just a habit where you look at Mike Williams highlights and the guy just goes crashing to the ground harder than anyone credit to him for usually holding on to the ball still i'm just hoping he can keep better uh healthier just in the long-term future he's kept the health already i want him to keep uh stay healthy because when he's been out there good things have happened nobody has averaged more yards per catch than mike williams over the past three years that's 17.3 yards per reception mark is a gaudy level i know a lot of it is him going downfield he has a high average target depth but you see flashes of him really looking like a complete alpha number one receiver when they played uh Pittsburgh, I believe it was in 2018 or 2019. He had this play where he picked the defensive end. I think he knocked Bud Dupree actually into the grass, caught the ball, made two guys miss, and then got another 12 yards upfield. We had that Chiefs game, I believe, from 2018. I think they were the first, uh, that Chargers team was the first one to beat Mahomes and company when they were just going bonkers on the league. Keenan Allen got hurt early. Mike Williams ends up scoring three touchdowns and I believe even the game winning two point conversions. So we've had these small flashes of Mike Williams really, again, looking the part of a bona fide stud out there. Unfortunately, we just haven't gotten a triple-digit target season, so not too much you can do. Uh, new man in the group, Josh Palmer, third-round pick out of Tennessee. This is from our 2021 PFF NFL Draft Guide, courtesy of the always great Mike Renner. The Volunteers deployed Palmer as a deep threat almost exclusively. His 16.6-yard average depth of target was one of the highest in the country, but they just didn't have a quarterback who could maximize that ability. After Palmer put on a show at the Senior Bowl one-on-ones, it's easy to see some parallels to Terry McLaurin at Ohio State. While Palmer isn't that level of athlete, he could easily be more productive in the NFL than he was in college. Josh Palmer, that's looking good, people. And it's looking especially good because if he's going to be using that same field stretcher role, this is the perfect offense for that because Jalen Guyton, Tyron Johnson, this is all they were doing last year as the number three wide receiver in this offense that was usually more of the number five pass game option behind Hunter Henry, behind Austin Eckler. I mean, Guyton averaged 18.3 yards per catch. Tyron Johnson was at 19.9. Look, 
there was this weird stretch last year. I think when Keenan got hurt and people were really signing up on Tyron Johnson over Guyton, they were almost the same player. It's just like Herbert, he would hit these, you know, 40, 50 yard passes. And usually it was to one of these guys. If it didn't happen to be Mike Williams, you know, skying above a couple of defenders on his way to do it. So no, I don't think any of Palmer Guyton or Johnson are going to have major roles this year. I think they're going to kind of consistently rotate as number three, as number four receiver, just realize we're looking at Guyton Johnson and now Palmer as three pretty proven field stretching talents. They're not in, you know, an all world level. I don't think defenses are going to be actively shifting too much coverage, uh, you know, away from Mike or Keenan for these guys. Just realize again, with these average target deaths and yards per receptions on hand, Palmer, Guyton and Johnson, all capable of helping take the top off the defense. And that's, you know, a lot more than most number three, number four receivers can say now for not quite the main event, but Justin freaking Herbert people, how much, how much can you freaking hate on this guy after what he did last year? Not much because he was that good overall since 2010, the only rookie fantasy QB ones, Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, Cam Newton, Andrew Luck, and RG three. I'm going to go on a limb here and say Herbert will not mirror the RG three, uh, you know, career, just kind of trajectory His the throws he was making last year. It was just one after another. And it really started a little bit in that chiefs game. I mean, let's not forget Herbert was supposed to take his time on the bench before the chargers freaking punctured Tyrod Taylor's lung. Surely before the second game of the year, Herbert plays well enough to take the freaking chiefs to OT. I believe narrow three point loss Panthers game. After that was fine. It was the Buccaneers game in week four. Unfortunately, they lost 38-31, but this was the game where Herbert really started just making some of these throws that made your eyes, you know, just pop out as you're watching uh, these games. I mean, his all 22 highlight reel is borderline erotic. The Saints game the next week was equally wild. I mean, he had this play. I think there were two free rushers that came off to him and Herbert just literally ran around them because he's much more athletic than we thought he was at Oregon Threw a strike to the end zone. I believe the Keenan for the score. So yes, you know, he fell off a little bit during the second half of the year. I think when Eckler got back in the picture, we saw a little bit of kind of what happened with uh, I think Teddy Bridgewater briefly in Carolina. Like you don't want your entire offense going through a running back on these short checkdowns. If he's there, if he's open, if the defense ignores it great but you want to go wide receivers to running backs and i think herbert was struggling with that for a second you know we saw that 45 point loss to the patriots but after that the end of the season with four straight wins herbert was throwing for multiple touchdowns all but one game i mean it was, it was a tough schedule for the guy a lot of times i mean yeah he wasn't great against the broncos against the patriots against uh, the dolphins those are three pretty damn good offenses managed the end of the season with 300 yards and three tutties against the chiefs shortly after going for 300 against the raiders was fine enough against the falcons a week before at least in terms of getting the dub so i'm not putting a ton of stock into herbert you know having this big sophomore slump because of of his second half splits. I just think it was a little bit of a learning experience getting Eckler back in the situation. And then he lost his number one receiver, Keenan Allen for the last three games of the year. So Herbert, the most impressive thing about him last year was how he dealt with pressure. He was PFS highest graded quarterback under pressure. And like, when you look at the difference in uh, just yards per attempt from a clean pocket, 
versus under pressure. Herbert was one of the few wild men that were actually better when facing pressure. Now this will not stick. We see time and time again, performs from a clean pocket, much better in terms of predicting the future than, uh, you know, kind of play under erratic situations like pressure. But the good news is this offensive line, we actually have reason to believe has taken a step forward. And this was PFF's reigning 30th and 32nd ranked offensive line and pass and run blocking. I mean, this was bad last year and Herbert and company largely overcame on their way to finishing as the 18th ranked scoring offense. And it's looking fine, people. At this point, four-fifths of the line is returning new starters. We got rookie left tackle Rashawn Slater. Brian Beluga is back at right tackle after being able to only play 444 snaps last year. Another former Packer and Corey Lindsley. And both the starting guards, uh, Matt Feeler and Odey Abushi, excuse me if I messed up any of that pronunciation, also came over in free agency. And we have just at least two average to above average starters there. That's all we can ask for. So uh, main story, which, uh, you know, PFF's 2021 offensive line rankings are 18th ranked unit entering this year. The bottom line, the Chargers are making all the right moves on paper and their offensive line should be one of the most improved units in the NFL. So truly like Herbert, stud, the best part of his game was ability under pressure, which is not something we want to rely on. The good news is we shouldn't have to. He's getting his number one receiver back in Keenan Allen. And this offensive line, again, has made certifiable steps forward. And we have reason to believe they're going to be not amazing, but at least not a bottom three unit again. We got to feel good about that. So moving on to our PFF Lily stat, Keenan Allen in 11 non-injury impacted contests with Justin Herbert under center, averaged 12.2 targets per game, double-digit opportunities in all but one of those games. Absolute madness. Goes ahead and takes us to the ranks. Keenan Allen is my wide receiver eight behind only, or okay, behind guys like Calvin Ridley, Michael Thomas, DK Metcalf, and then our big four at the top. So for me, I'm following those targets. He was balling with Herbert under center. And again, even with some of these points per game totals, which he was wide receiver seven in PPR points per game last year, it almost doesn't do it justice because we had Tyrod under center in week one. He didn't play just 12 snaps in week five against the Saints before he got hurt. Only 24 snaps in week 15 before he got hurt. So, I mean, it was wild. With Herbert, Allen had five performances in the top 10 in terms of just weekly PPR points, only finished outside the position's top 28 in one of those 11 games so he is right there in my second tier overall wide receiver one outcome still a possibility uh you know i would take keenan allen ahead of guys like justin jefferson aj brown terry mclaurin just for those targets if we could say jefferson and brown would have you know a similar target ceiling as keenan yes i would have them ahead i had aj brown ahead of keenan before julio james came to town if adam thielen you know misses a bunch of time Justin Jefferson will be moving up ahead of Keenan Allen as well. Right now, though, I just think, uh, you know, Keenan finds himself in that gaudy 150-plus target tier with a great quarterback, and for that reason, he is fully deserving of continuing to be a top eight fantasy receiver. Uh, and, yeah, go get him, guys. I don't think you'll be too disappointed. Uh, on to Mike Williams. I was moving him up a little bit after I actually wrote about the Chargers uh, this morning. So he's my wide receiver 45, not, you know, a huge – not going on a huge limb here. Uh, I have him ahead of guys like Cole Beasley, Michael Hardman, Devontae Parker, uh, the Colts wide receivers. I just think, you know, some of these guys, uh, Corey Davis, Brandon Cooks, like we just have some guys that could rise to the top and be their offense's number one pass game option. And with Mike Williams, that's not in his potential range of outcomes. It's it, it's only if Keenan gets hurt, which I'm not, you know, going to sit here and project Keenan get hurt. We, we've been over this, gone through this. So 
issue for Mike, he might even be the number three pass game option if Austin Eckler is also able to stay healthy. I mean, looking at you know, some people on, on Twitter were telling me like, hey, you know, look at Keenan's production once Eckler came back. He had double-digit targets in every single game that Eckler and Herbert were healthy uh, for. The problem was actually more on Mike Williams. I mean, he had four, one, five, nine, zero, and two targets in six games with Herbert, Allen, and Austin Eckler all healthy. Again, Williams in those, that 15 game season he was banged up for some of those so I, I believe the zero target game and I think the five maybe even the one like he wasn't playing his 80 90 percent snap rate just realize like it's Keenan is the number one we have years and years of evidence of this Mike Williams is the one that this organization while they picked up his fifth year option that's that's a good step Otherwise, at least in terms of getting him targets on the field, we just haven't seen them make that big, uh, you know, meaningful devotion to doing so. He's going as the wide receiver 43 over underdog. So I'm pretty in line with the market. I think he has some upside over, again, guys like Beasley, Miko, Devontae. I'll take him over guys in similarly crowded offenses when it comes to kind of project, projecting him as the number two or number three guy. Again, though, the Brandon Cooks, the Corey Davises of the world, where we could actually see them leading their team. Those would be the types of guys I'd be taking ahead of Mike Williams. Uh, if you want to get Palmer, you know, as a quality mid-round guy in Dynasty, I'm not going to say no to that. Again, just realize this would be Guyton, Johnson. All these guys are likely vying for number four, number five job at best. And I'm also pretty inclined to fade these tight ends. Jared Cook is on my ageist list of guys I will not be touching this year. He is 34 years old, people. He looked like a shell of himself in a worse New Orleans offense last year. I know we got Lombardi over uh, with the Chargers now, so maybe they are just going to feed this dude targets. But if Hunter Henry couldn't produce better than he did last year, I believe he finished as a very low-end tight end one. I want to say he was the overall tight end 12 last year. Like, I just don't think Jared Cook can do more than Hunter Henry was able to. And I'm not even sure Cook's going to be able to have that same every now and roll that Hunter Henry had. They liked Donald him as at least a receiving friendly guy. I love, I love my former XFLers people, but Parham does not have the blocking ability. He did flash as a receiver. So I think cook could lose some work there and how I think Steven Anderson and even Trey McKitty uh, could get some work and just steal some snaps away from cook. So usually in fantasy football, and if you have more than one tight end on a team, you actually have zero. So I would fade this tight end group and hope that those targets go to Mike Williams. Just not super convinced. They will. Hope you enjoyed the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, everybody. If you did, please check out the rest of our podcast network. You can check out, uh, you can recap, excuse me, the NFL Draft and Mike Renner and Austin Gale's 2 from one Draft Podcast or get all 2021 betting content you need with the PFF Forecast. Also, please check out PFF's 2021 Best Ball Draft Kit, tiered rankings to projections to targetable stacks, the season's favorable matchups, the only resource you'd ever need to wreak havoc across best ball formats all summer long. And speaking of best ball, if you like fantasy football and if you like playing fantasy for money, you need to check out Underdog Fantasy. Underdog's got everything, including season-long and playoff best ball. Best ball is a season-long game where you draft a team like you normally do, but that's it. There's no season roster management. Underdog automatically selects your best performers each week, saving you loads of time. Go to Underdog Fantasy and deposit $10 using promo code PFF and get a free PFF Edge annual subscription. It's promo code PFF. Draft now at Underdog Fantasy. All right, quick thing to get off my chest, everybody. So sometimes I'm a little bit of a, you know, F boy on Twitter. I, I, I try to not curse here when I can. I slip up sometimes. Sometimes I'm an F boy on Twitter. I like to, 
make up fun things that don't exactly matter and kind of add to, you know, just chilling throughout the day. I, people, when you spend as much time as I do writing these articles and stuff, I don't know. I, I just like to have fun sometimes. Anyway, I found a video of this. I think he's like a D three football player. Actually, he was 17 or 18. It went viral on TikTok a couple months ago. And it's this dude at a roller skating rink, basically just making everybody miss and putting on these jukes that people are sliding into the wall. And I was just looking at this video and it's just some regular white guy. And I just decided to say that it was Drew Locke. And I said another example of Drew Locke having it put out this rollerblade video. The amount of people that did not realize this was not Drew Locke was absolutely unfathomable to be people. So just to get this clear, that was not Drew Locke that I tweeted about having this roller, having this rollerblade, you know, just incredibleness. The guy's got a jump shot. We get that. I guess he wasn't jumping in his, you know, that video we saw. So the guy's got a wetter, whatever, how you want to call it. Just realize I was actually talking about some random white guy, not drew Locke in that video. And the funniest part of, it, and the main reason I bring it up, friend of the podcast, Peter Overset, uh, you know, underdog guy. I, I love everything Pete does. If you don't follow him on Twitter at Peter Overset, you are missing out and always use promo code Pete. If you're into that kind of thing with him as well, but Pete does a Matthew Berry's fantasy life's newsletter. And I got a DM, uh, on Saturday morning. He was like, Ian, I've been looking for this drew lock stuff everywhere. You seem to be the only one on it. So I was able to get Pete. So for that, I'm not mad because I enjoy getting one over on Pete. Uh, obviously see a good sport about it in the fantasy life uh, newsletter from Matthew Berry is always great as well. So fun stuff with that. But yeah, people, if you see me, uh, you know, out there on Twitter streets, if I use sources or if it's just a, you know, video about an NFL player, that doesn't look like the NFL player There's a good chance. I'm just having some fun with you. So thank you guys always though, for tuning in the PFF fantasy football podcast, where I'm always up front with you all because I just want us to all win some money this year, win those fantasy football championships too. So I'm Ian Hart. It's been the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Until next time, take care, everybody. 